a doctor in the house. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, ready. The doctor is in. We're going to take Dr. Batar where he has never been <laughs> on Advanced Medicine Monday. Dr. Rasha Batar, my friend. Good to be back with you. Where are you going to take me, Robert? You're kind of making me a little, uh, making me a little curious here. Where are you going to take me? Well, I'm just trying to make you nervous. I know it's not easy to do, but we are going to talk about the council. <laughs> I was on... intrigued, actually. <laughs> We're going to talk about the council on foreign relations, the CFR. Uh, and, and no, they're not a... Technically, they're not an ingredient in a in a vaccine, but I guess they could be. Yeah, it definitely sounds uh, ominous, doesn't it? it? Well, it is, because there's a Rockefeller involved with it. Why do I bring this up, Dr. Batar? Because there was a big article published by the refusers, uh, and that was picked up also by our good friend uh, with the OMSJ, Clark Baker. And this was written by Catherine J. Frompovich, who's doing a lot of writing on the vaccine issue. Did you see this one? Absolutely. I did. It's great. Yeah. The, it's the excellent. To- I'm glad we're t- going to cover it today. The topic title, Disease Outbreaks Are Concentrated in Highest Vaccinated Populations, According to the Council on Foreign Relations. Now, when you read this, you think, wait a second, the CFR is admitting that the, the, the highest rates of vaccination is resulting in the highest rates of outbreaks? No, they're not admitting that, but it is in their data. They're claiming the opposite. And this is where this story gets rather interesting because somebody who's not, uh, a, let's say, a vaccine apologist or, a, you know, a cult follower of vaccination looks at the data and says, wait a second, it doesn't say what they think it says. Yeah, it's very, very clear, actually, when you look right at their map that they have, the, the disease map. By the way, Robert, the green dots, what is the designation of the green dots compared to the red dots? Well, I'm looking at the uh, the legend here as well to try and determine this because it's, it's very complex. It's very layered. It's very detailed. Uh, the CFR, in fact, uh, you know, they're not a bunch of dummies there. This, this is an organization founded by one of the Rockefellers to kind of bring the world's elites together to establish policy and kind of set the stage for what's called the New World Order. So that's the thing we're trying to pick apart here. Uh, with this article that was uh, published by the refusers and also picked up by OMSJ. Uh, so I'm looking at that as well, and we're both going to, you know, as we go live here today, uh, review this and see what these color differences mean. Well, one of the things that I wanted to point out, uh, not knowing what the color differences are in these dots. Oh, I'm sorry, it's whooping cough. I found it's well, green is the whooping cough. Whooping cough. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can see that there's a preponderance in North America and in Europe with a little bit less dissemination saturation in Australia and Southeast Asia. You see a lot in Africa, too, but that's where you see more of the red dots, which I would be more curious to see what that denotes. Yeah, the red but regardless, the red dots indicate measles and uh, yellow or other. The orangish ones look to be a, a form of polio. But what's interesting is that you look at these areas, and, of course, Africa, they've used Africa as a experimental grounds for some time now. Um, did I say that? Like, can I say that? Is that like a bad word? No, no, you did it. You, it's a, exactly an experimental uh, uh, ground for uh, vaccines and other uh, medical drugs that they test out there. 
and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but just so that people understand, in our own nation, the experimental populations where things are experimented upon are the prison population and the military. Mm-hmm. And that's another topic for another day perhaps we can discuss, but that is not exaggeration or another conspiracy theory that is reality and we've mentioned before people can reference a book called Project Daylily and uh, those people that wrote the book, they're both MD, PhDs and they were both involved with the military with some of the vaccine research that was being done. Uh, Regardless, we'll go on and talk about this component. If you see the preponderance on the map, it's very, very clear that areas that either are considered to be the what's the what's the term for the eight nations the the super eight or oh the g8 they call them the The g8 yeah the g8 right so you look at that you can see the preponderance of the outbreaks of these diseases are in the industrialized um rich countries the g8 Mm -hmm. yep you see it in australia new zealand you see it in Europe, and you see it in North America, and then also in the very, very impoverished nations, which are mostly in Africa. But you see a conspicuous absence in some of the other areas, like in South America, um, in the northern parts of Canada, in the rural parts of Australia, in the northern parts of Africa, which are, you know, Egypt, Libya, those areas. Um, and most of China. Now, they could say, well, a lot of data isn't available for China, but the point being, wherever there's a greater preponderance of vaccinations, mm-hmm. there seems to be, according to this map and the data that was published by the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations, there seems to be a higher incidence, clear higher incidence of disease. Yeah, this is stunning because although organizations like PBS and other mainstream organizations will take this information and say, see, see, we need to work harder and get more vaccines out. It belies the fact that if you look at the uh, the data or the, the imagery of all those green dots in America about whooping cough, the reality is the the, uh, the whooping cough vaccine rates are uh, pretty much up above 95%, which is what they claim is necessary for herd immunity. Right, right. And then the graph below that, that's another interesting one, which actually goes into the mortality rate under the age of five. That's another fascinating graph because you see the highest mortality under the age of five is in the United States. And we're supposed to be the the leader of the industrialized nations. And <laughs> uh, the, under five years of, of age, US is leading the nation the, the world in mortality. And is there a more vaccinated, fully va- almost fully vaccinated population on the planet? Yeah, and that's amazing. You see, because when the graph, this graph is really, really reflective of what the truth is. You see Sweden, Japan, with 11 vaccines that are given to children between a certain period. And I'm not sure if that's within the first year of life. Is that what it is, Robert? Well, we're, well, we're looking at the uh, countries and number of vaccines mandated under five mortality rates. Uh, and this statistic the data is from 2009. 2009 report, yes. But I don't, I don't see uh, what period of time these children were vaccinated. So it would be safe to obviously assume that it's before the age of five since it's mortality rates under the age of five. But I don't know whether this is looking at 11 vaccines, for example, in Sweden, the number 11 denoting 11 vaccines that are given in the first year of life, or those were 11 vaccines total given in the first five years of life. But regardless of whatever that commonality is, it's uniform across all these countries. What's interesting is that when you look at this, Sweden with 11 vaccines given, Japan with 11, Finland with 12, 
are low on the graph with anywhere between two and a half to three um, in mortality. I think Japan's is a little bit higher at four. Then you start getting into Norway at 13, Switzerland 16, Australia 27. You're not getting into the mortality rate of four and a half, five, five and a half. You get into Canada with a with uh, 28 vaccines given, and you're at a mortality rate of six. Actually, Australia is 27 vaccines, Canada 28, and they're both right at six. Right, uh, yeah. Six, the mortality rate is six. So this is six per, what is this, per thousand? Uh, let's see. As we read this properly, I'm hoping I can understand it as well, because, again, it's very complex, but it's beautiful that this has gone through. Uh, to determine this, all right. So they're talking, yes, the number of vaccines and the mortality rate. These numbers in what? In a hundred thousand? In I think it's in a hundred thousand. Yeah. Um, regardless of whatever it is, the it's six in Australia and Canada, and in the United States, where we give thirty-six vaccines within that given period of time, whatever that given period is, whether it's the first year, first two years, first five years, we hit an incidence of eight. So when you graph this. It is clearly correlated with the number of vaccines. The more vaccines that are administered to a child under the age of eight, the higher the incidence of mortality. We're not talking about getting a disease here. We're talking about death. Mm -hmm. So the more the vaccines, the more the rate of death. From Sweden, Japan, Finland, between 11 and 12, that have an incidence of two and a half to three, uh, to the United States with 36 vaccines, three times the vaccines with a death rate of eight. So basically a threefold increase. It's a direct correlation. It's not uh, anything that is surprising to you and I, Robert, but it is something mm-hmm. that is very reflective of what most people aren't aware of and what the data itself shows of the people that are pro-vaccine anyway. Right, right. And if we look at, the again, the the, the rates of compliance with the so-called mandated vaccines, you have to question what we've questioned all along, the concept of herd immunity. Because if they're blaming all of these folks who are not getting vaccinated, which I think it's usually around 1%, maybe to 2% in certain areas of, of non-vaccine or vaccine non-compliance, supposedly, it's more than enough to establish what they would claim to be herd immunity. By far, you're absolutely right. And we we understand that really that's that's something that... What they say is just simply not supported by reality. It's it's not what's happening. And if it really were happening, then there would be no concern about the people that have not gotten vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So the vaccination percentage rates, as I'm reading, ninety four and a half percent for MMR, ninety five point one percent for DTAP, which includes the pertussis, the whooping cough, which we see is massive on this uh, CFR uh, map that you can take a look at. We've got it uh, linked in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. And and you go, wait a second, they always said 95%, you know, magic number, right? Herd immunity. So where is this all coming from? And, of course, the the vast majority of cases of whooping cough are happening in vaccinated populations. And therein lies the truth. Yeah. So we're going to take our first break here. It is Advanced Medicine Monday. Uh, validating all the things we've been saying, but who knew the CFR would validate what we've been saying, and it's happening. Uh, they can no longer hide it. Check out Dr. Bittar's book if you're new to Advanced Medicine Monday. It's called uh, uh, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. And boy, it's an international bestseller, and you need to get it too. Uh, we'll be back to follow up on the CFR report after the break. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Ross. 
rocking the health world to the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Hey, make your plans to be in Chicago for the Autism One Conference. You can check it out also, autismdefined.net. A lot of really good things that you're we're prepping for. Dr. Batar and I will be there. We'll be presenting uh, one of the first nights there, as well as Dr. Batar is doing a, a doctor workshop and a parent's workshop. And I've got a presentation as well, but it's going to be a wonderful time to get together. So I'm encouraging you, if you haven't already planned, autism1.org as well is where you can go to learn about it. And we'll probably bring some of these things because more stats come out to support what we've been and what you've been saying for years. It's pretty incredible. Robert, also the autismdefined.net website is a good resource because we've put together a number of things there. Very, very simple, one page, but it's just full of information with the number of videos and PDFs that are downloadable so that people can have one central place to get everything, including my congressional testimony and a webinar that Sherry Tempany and uh, Dr. Marcial Vega Mm -hmm. did with me regarding the pros and cons of vaccines, prevention of Pandora. So that's been a very popular webinar. So there's a lot of other resources that people have there. Well, and it's a lot easier to navigate, too. So that that makes it a good place. AutismDefined.net. It's linked up in the show notes as well. Uh, check it out now continuing on with the cfr and I, you know i was joking with you about that you've got your head's full of, of plenty of stuff you don't need more of it but on the issue of uh, global governance and behind the scenes elitists trying to run the world uh the cfr ranks right up there and uh the fact that they've released this report they're not fly by night they do good work when it comes to analyzing and releasing data that's not the issue. It's the it's the misinterpretation of the data by the mainstream media trying to say that oh my gosh we see this we need more vaccines and the reality is what they're revealing to you is that the vaccines are actually causing more harm and death. Absolutely, and it's not just the data itself that's uh, confined in one certain area. It's uniform throughout the entire data that they collected. For example, on that graph that we just talked about when you look at the Sweden, Japan, Finland, Norway and going all the way up to the US that's talking about mortality but when we start looking at the incidence of pathology within that same patient population under the age of 5 years and we start looking at all the different components and I believe this was just done in the Netherlands correct? This These two graphs Robert? Uh, versus uh, no vaccinations? Yeah I believe so this is, this is uh, the Netherlands uh, survey 2004 yes it's amazing that when you start looking at things from ear infections, inflammation of the throat, uh, behavioral issues with more aggression, uh, convulsions, those type of things where it's seizure activity, the need for antibiotics, uh, parents' own subjective SF type, uh, 36 type um, responses where the child appears to be sickly, eczema, rashes on the skin, uh, the reactive airway conditions like asthma, allergic reactions, aggressive behavior, difficulty speaking, all these things were clearly correlated significantly higher with the fully vaccinated children as opposed to children that had no vaccines. In fact, every one of these criteria that I just mentioned, which was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 different criteria that we just mentioned, Mm -hmm. every one of them were exponentially higher, seen more frequently with fully vaccinated children as compared to the non-vaccinated children. And in some of the issues, for example, like aggressive behavior, it's virtually not seen at all, or seizure disorder not seen at all with unvaccinated children, but considerably seen. Average is um, 
about one or just under one out of every 540 some children. Interesting. And you, you talk about aggressive behavior. Wasn't it Harris Coulter that uh, uh, revealed uh, many years ago in his book about violence relationship to vaccination? It's it's all related to the mercury and with the denudation of the neurofibrils and, and how the behavior changes. In fact, I think it was you, Robert, who told me about the Mad Hatter in mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland. Yes, yes. It was the it was that work with the felt hats and uh, oftentimes because they work with mercury in working with the felt that they were they would go insane and that's where the Mad Hatter concept came from. Right, it was all from mercury exposure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and so when we talk about the insanity of vaccinations, it's really not an exaggeration because um, only an insane population or um, a diabolical, nefarious insane insanity would look at these stats and say we need to vaccinate more. I mean, anybody with a rational sense of any intelligence left in them, unless again they're a criminal, they would have to look at this and go, "Wow, did we really screw up? We better rethink this fast." Yeah, it's interesting that when you look at the political situations in countries prior to all the major wars, you know, you look at World War II and World War One in Germany and, and what was being preached to the populations there. And, and even Hold on, we gotta, we got to get that history lesson when we come back from this break. We're already at the bottom of the hour, fast moving as we always are. Advanced Medicine Monday here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Dr. Batar is at drbuttar.com. The links are up, and we'll be right back. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Links are up as well to the international bestseller, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. And we hope to see Dr. Batar with Ty Bollinger and myself together again. That's a, That would be a great reunion in Asheville, North Carolina. We're working on that with Dr. Frank King, July 18th through 21st. So we'll give you a heads up. But a lot of good opportunities to get together with us, and we're looking forward to it. And this is only adding, I don't know if we call it fuel to the fire, Dr. Batar, but this CFR... Uh, uh, publication and what it actually reveals I mean not what they want you to think it reveals but what it actually reveals is absolutely stunning yeah and it's actually something that during the break Robert we brought up that I think would probably be a good idea for us to talk about on the air and that is that there's so much information that's when it's put out that is actually you actually said it well in the previous segment that's if, if a body puts this information out there and as long as you're assuming that they're not a nefarious, not a like a, the, the, the intention is positive. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, positive. They're not a nefarious, uh, a diabolical schemers trying to do some horrible things. Uh, besides the fact that the CFR can be can be described that way occasionally, uh, th- this report uh, seems to be very legitimate. And again, they they lay out the stats and everything. But the thing is about this. How could they come to the conclusion that vaccines are actually good, they're working, they're wonderful, they help the immune system, when the stats reveal the opposite? Right. It's almost like the, the, the facts are the facts, but their interpretation of the facts are so diametrically opposed to what the conclusion should be. It's right. almost like saying every time we take a bath, we get wet. <laughs> Therefore, we can keep our clothes on because we know we're going to remain dry. 
<laughs> that, I mean, it doesn't make any sense that, at all. So they've taken, yes. they've, they've looked at the sky and they've said that sky should be blue and everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be. And now they're saying, okay, now we have to start operating from this premise that the sky is green and we must do something about it. And if the sky isn't green, it's blue. And no matter how you spin the data, no matter how what you say, no matter what the media says, the sky is still blue. And you're going to get wet. You should take off your clothes before you take a bath so you don't get your clothes wet. You know, it's it's just an absurd – I hope people are listening going, what? What the hell is he talking about? I mean, that was yeah. so absurd. That's exactly my point. This is an ex- absurd conclusion that they made. Well, who was it that said if you repeat a lie often enough – and, and you know, say it loud enough, then it, it will appear to be the truth, and people will accept it to be true. Yeah, I don't know who said that, but I know that that's been used by a lot of politicians, including mm-hmm. Hitler. Yes, exactly. And and not only that, but the lie has to be really big, like you said. The sky is green, not blue, because it's got to. The more absurd it is, for some reason, the more acceptable it will be. Until one day, people wake up and say. The vaccine emperor wears no clothes. And that's what the CFR has readily admitted. They've held the mirror up to the emperor and admitted that we have no clothes, but yet they're saying the, the emperor is wearing this beautiful flowing robe of gold and, and, and sequins or whatever, but he's buck naked. Right. Actually, that's a very important point because it's directly correlated with how absurd it is. The more absurd, the more believable. Because people don't think that, you know, if it's just somewhat absurd, then there'd be people that question it. Because, but if it's really off the wall absurdity, people don't think, well, they, they wouldn't think, lie well, about that. Surely, but, yeah. yeah. You know, truth is stranger than fiction type of thing. Yeah, absurd lies become the truth more than subtle lies become the truth. And that's what we're witnessing here uh, with the CFR report. Once again, thanks to our friends at The Refusers, uh, Michael Belkin, for publishing this as well. I'm glad that uh, OMSJ and Clark Baker is also done. I think this is going to go. Uh, really viral, and I don't think they'll they'll have a vaccine to counteract this one. <laughs> They're going to try. Oh yeah, I know. I, again, this is going to add a lot of good stuff when we get together at Autism One for our presentation. I mean, there's a lot of history here, but to have this come out in such a mainstream, global, uh, let's say globally read uh, report, it, it, again, it's stunning. You know, we could say it simply: uh, the Netherlands report observes and acknowledges that the non-vaccinated population are much less likely to have, what do we say, 11 different factors of severe, uh, whether they're called adverse events or whether they're called diseases or syndromes. Uh, it's not even a close contest. Yeah, it's not at all. It's it's just a very, very sad situation. But the nice thing about it is that more and more people are becoming aware, as we've talked about in the past, mm-hmm. and the population at large is no longer as gullible as they once were. Yeah. Well, they still have their uh, paid lackeys that pretend to be, uh, you know, screaming and yelling at us. Uh, we don't pay them as much mind as once before because they are also being seen through. I mean, how do you come to this uh, place where you see that the more vaccinated a population, the more likely it is to contract the very diseases for which they are vaccinating. Again, case in point, the whooping cough, and they're continually trying to spin it as it's those parents that are not vaccinating their kids. And we're talking about, you know, overall uh, a non-vaccine compliance rate or non-compliance rate of about 1.8%. I think it's according to the stat, 1.8%. I mean, that's so low. That's below the threshold of this so-called herd immunity. So what are they going to do with this? They have to make it into the opposite of the truth because if they don't, uh, they wouldn't be able to survive it. So they rely on people giving them the authority to interpret the data and 
thanks to the people that put this out and actually read it and reviewed it and looked at the data and then put this out. And I think we should actually put a video out with this, Robert, because these graphs are very powerful. Oh, definitely. They speak volumes, so we should we should really do that. Now, Dr. Batar, do you think that this could have been happening if it weren't for the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Act? Remember that? They, they, they set up this vaccine court, the kangaroo non-constitutional court, to resolve, uh, well, let's say, uh, remove all liability should vaccines hurt, maim, or kill anyone? Well, I think that the uh, is a question that do I think that the vaccine courts had something to do with propagating this information? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just thinking about here we are in 2014. If they had never passed this NVIC, uh, National Vaccine Injury Compensation Plan, uh, Court thing, mm-hmm. I, I'm positing that I don't think we would be here today because had the companies maintained their own liability that people could have sued them directly for every injury i don't I, we already know they were claiming that they couldn't produce these things so we would have been better off without this act of congress so that that act of congress becomes complicit in creating an environment where generations scores of children have been harmed injured killed or driven into the autism spectrum well go a step even previous to that robert mm-hmm. uh, you know the thing that actually came before the the court issue was the National Vaccine Initiative in 1991, which is when all the problems started to arise because of the incidence of vaccines give, given at the time of, within the first 24 hours of the time of birth. Prior to that, there was an understanding. Vaccines weren't stacked. Vaccines were spread out over a period of time. They didn't start till about a year of age, maybe six months of age. Uh, and, and they were dispersed over a s- specified period of time. So in 1991, the National Vaccine Initiative was begun where the decision was made that we're going to stamp out childhood diseases. And that's when actually the autism incidence was only 10, one in 10,000. And that's where it actually started skyrocketing. I think that the, the vaccine court issue mm-hmm. came subsequent to that because... No, no, no. The vaccine to- court actually happened in 1986, which... I, as I say, I think it precipitated that 91. If there was a, that nefarious plot concept, Dr. Batar, they probably oh. knew they probably knew they had to set up this court to relieve alleviate all wow. liability. I didn't, I didn't know that the courts were before. I, yeah. I thought they were after. Yeah, so think about it. It makes sense, You're though. absolutely right, because if the courts came before, mm-hmm. then somebody knew something beforehand, and they were setting That's it. Yeah, they, were, they were planning for it five years ahead of time. That's what I'm thinking here as we're looking back on this now, that that court Robert, thing— Robert, wait a second. This is unbelievable, because think about—remember the movie I told you about, Mercury Rising, with Bruce Willis? Yes. About the child with autism who broke the national security codes. Uh, yes. The, what the year was that? Security. That was in 1983. Wow. So there was somebody that was trying to tell us something even before then. Wow. Yeah, that, that's what I'm seeing now. When we get this kind of, you know, that, that hindsight being 2020, uh, you look at the time frame of this going back and you say, okay, on some level. Now, we're not saying that every congressman probably knew a fraction of this. They just go along with whatever they're lobbied into. That's just the nature of Congress, which is pretty uh, abhorrent and and and, and uh, lacking in nature. Uh, but if we look at just the act, much less the movie in 83, as you said, 80, they had to put this in place or they could never expanded the vaccine schedule to do what they knew would have happened. And there was somebody that was trying to warn people because when you watch that movie, there are too many things in that movie 
that I mean, in, the name of the movie for God's sake, Mercury Rising, of an autistic child that breaks the national security code. Which is, you know, I've told you how intelligent these children are. By by raw definition, their cognitive abilities supersede that of their peer group by far. I mean, exponentially, they're they're more intelligent and able to process more more data. I mean, they're just cognitively superior. It seems to be selectively targeting this patient population. Now, this movie comes out, and there's things in that movie that. I mean, it was amazing watching that movie and how many things in that movie are the truth. I mean, real truth. For example, yeah. there's a scene where the nurse says, uh, the Bruce Willis says to the nurse in the critical care unit, the child's injured. And, and by the way, the government is trying to get to the kid and it's killing, it kills his parents and is going after them. I mean, the, the, even the plot is just so, it's, it's just, there's too many things out there that, you know, it couldn't be a coincidence. But there's a scene where the, Nurse says to the or Bruce Willis says to the nurse, "What's wrong with him? Doesn't he understand?" And the nurse says the truth, which is that's the whole problem. He understands everything, which is the truth. These wow. children far yeah. they, they they understand so much more than we think that they understand. This you, you you've uh, when we were at autism one, you remind me about the child from Norway. I got to tell the story. Uh, I was telling one of the other patients uh, who's actually both mother and father are both doctors. The father's an ER doctor. The mother's an infectious disease doctor. And I was telling them the story with the child with Norway. I'm not going to talk about it on the air, but remind me because when we're at Autism One, I got to show you, demonstrate to you how cognitively superior these children really are. Yeah, absolutely. Would want to see that. By the way, you can watch Mercury Rising online in Netflix. They have it as one of the movies. It's easy to download from any of these sites as well uh, to see what Dr. Batar is referring to. It's quite extraordinary, eerie, you might say, uh, what they were uh, uh, hinting at. And so this this. You know, we get a, we get a thing like this, the CFR report that shows the opposite of what the mainstream media is claiming it's showing, which goes to the heart of, you know, the lie has to be really big and bold and so absurd that, you know, everybody's going to believe it or most everybody. But now we have a lot of small children, just like the old fable, uh, seeing that the emperor is wearing no clothes. The vaccine emperor is buck naked. Uh, so when we come back from this break, we're going to wrap it up. But what a stunning revelation this week. And we didn't even mention with Dr. Batar, which I'll have to when we come back, the 30% increase in the stats from the CDC on autism incidents over the last two years. So stick around. We've got that and a whole lot more on Advanced Medicine Monday here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott, Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. We just did some fact checking on the break. We're two thirds right, one third wrong. Uh, Mercury rising. When did we say we thought it was in the 80s, but it was actually 98, right? Yeah, 1998. Yeah. Was... All right. So that kind of came after. But uh, listen, the connection between the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Act and the court that was set up, and then the the following, you know, a few years later, they started expanding the schedule with the National Vaccine Initiative again would not have taken place without the liability elimination for the for the vaccine manufacturers. So it set the stage so they knew they had to have that in place in order to do what they were planning to do only a few short years later. Now, with the uh, uh, CDC stats, you saw this. We haven't talked about this yet, Dr. Batar, but one in eight, one, from 1 in 88 two years ago to 1 in 68, I still think that's low compared to what's really happening, but what is your perspective? That's 1 in 68 children with autism? That's what they're saying within the autism spectrum. That's right. Yeah, the data that I had heard about was it was like one in fifty-three now. Yeah, I think that's getting closer to it. And when it comes to boys uh, compared to girls, I think it's you know maybe one in in the thirties. But if we really go to the subtleties, including ADHD, etc., we might be talking one in three. 
Right. I know that the Centers for Disease Control, the NHANES data that was released in 2003 that talked about the incidence of uh, women with child, of childbearing age that were mercury toxic was one out of six. And the incidence of children being born with some type of a neurological deficit, which included not only autism and Asperger's, uh, progressive de- developmental delay, but also the ADHD and ADD mm-hmm. diagnoses, that's also one in six. So it used to be one in six. And I've pointed that out over the years, over, well over the last decade, that there's no coincidence. One in six women of childbearing age are mercury toxic. One, and this is CDC's own data. And one in six children of childbearing, of, of uh, one in six children that are being born in the United States, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, has some for neurological deficit. You know, not one in seven, not one in five, one out of six. And I think that's that speaks volumes. Yeah, if the moms are mercury toxic, it's going to impact the next generation, and that's what we're seeing here. Uh, and even with um, uh, the issues of supposedly removing thimerosal from the vaccines, we've debunked that, if you can call it that, uh, uh, many times here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, that the subcomponents still contain it. They still contain mercury and add that insult to injury. Now aluminum and other adjuvants and things that should never be injected, much less consumed orally in many cases, uh, that uh, the, the people that would cry out against us for speaking out on this, if you gave them the option to drink what's in a vaccine, they would refuse. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Anybody that would be of reasonable intelligence would refuse. Yeah. So uh, question here on the CFR report, um, the data, the graphs, the source, all of these things are linked back to the original. Uh, this is a, you know, I'd say a major league revelation today with you talking about this. And really, let's say, putting it to them, you know, pointing out that their own data reveals the opposite of what they're claiming. I just I don't know how they're going to spin it out unless they, you know, just scream louder and louder and louder, which is basically all they have to do. Yeah, I think that what is happening right now, Robert, what we're doing right now, for example, and and you know that there are other people doing it. Obviously, the uh, the OMJ is putting this information out and there are other organizations that are also going to be. Oh, yeah, this is going to be picked up big time. Here's a funny part. As more and more of this happens, more and more people are going to realize, more people are going to talk to other people. But here's the funny thing. If you talk to an average person that isn't even directly connected with anybody that has autism and you ask them, there are more people that are aware of the controversy, whereas before there were a lot of people that had no idea. They didn't even know that it existed. Now pretty much the entire population knows that there's they've heard this. Right. In fact, uh, I think, what was it, last week, two weeks ago, we talked about how the, the information came out when they pulled a, um, I think it was in it was a JAMA that did that or internal journal for internal medicine. I don't remember which one, but what was the what was the result? The, where they were talking about that when they polled people, parents, uh, more than fifty percent of people believe that there's a correlation between vaccines and autism. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. And again, that, that's revelatory in its own right because it means that the tipping point has been achieved with vaccines. And they're desperate to contain it by putting out a bold-faced, bald-faced lie uh, from the CFR, the interpretation of the data being opposite of what it actually is, is really revealing. So, and I think oh this is gosh. what we should need to do, Robert. I think we need to put out the, a video with those graphs where we talk about that first thing that came out where people, uh, when they were polled, that was published. Well, in let's, get, let's get Josh on it right away. We're out of time here. Can you believe how fast this went today? It, oh, it went very fast. Oh, man. Well, uh, yeah, look, mark your calendars. Autism One in May, and maybe we'll be together in July in Asheville with Dr. Frank King. Check it out. Dr. Batar, another wonderful Advanced Medicine Monday. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Robert. We just have to remind each and every one of you out there the God's honest truth that the power to heal.
is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show.